Okay, good morning. Uh, I'm going to get started. Uh, today is the May 1st, uh, year 2022. Uh, welcome to the uh, Judicial White Privilege Show. And uh, today is the third episode. Uh, in the first episode, I have talked about uh, the definition of white privilege uh, as a three tiers of uh, government and uh, legal construct uh, in the United States. And uh, that is my anatomy of a racial inequality in America. And uh, this is my approach uh, uh, to analyze the uh, racial inequality by looking at the importation of a justice system from a single race society, aka England, to a multiracial society, aka America, and its ongoing effect on racial minorities. In the second episode, I have talked about uh, this uh, uh, apparent uh, rage, uh, this black rage, arising from these three tiers of white privilege oppression. Uh, that's where I talk a little bit more about uh, three separate uh, black rate shootings. Uh, needless to say, uh, no shootings can be justified, but they can be explained uh, in a sense. In other words, we should never condone violences, but uh, those violent events, uh, whether it's uh, domestic or, or international, uh, they can be explained. And, uh, and my purpose of this show is to explain, you know, uh, what does it really mean when people say no justice, no peace? Uh, today is May 1st. Uh, it's also uh, called Labor Day uh, outside the United States. Uh, ironically, uh, the, this May Day holiday is actually coming out of uh, Chicago uh, uh, in the United States. Uh, in 1886, there is a, something called the Haymarket Riot, which is a labor movement. Uh, I know we in America celebrate Labor Day in September. I personally don't have a preference uh, uh, which month we should celebrate Labor Day. Because uh, to me, Labor Day represents a, a, a particular right, uh, the right of a collective bargaining. Basically, the right for a group of uh, weak stakeholders, such as workers, to bargain with a, a much smaller group of a more powerful stakeholders, uh, basically the business owners, uh, to, to obtain uh, uh, fair wages uh, and, uh, and the conditions, uh, in, especially in the blue-collar uh, professions. So one thing I want to mention is this, because this is something I, I, we are going to cover in the book, is that uh, as early as 1886, in, in the Haymarket riot in Chicago, uh, the right of a collective bargaining for a better working condition has been, uh, what I say, has, be, has become a legitimate issue, both politically and legally. However, for black workers, their right of a collective bargaining did not really start much later. Similar to the voting rights, uh, the voting is, uh, you know, all the white uh, are, 
allowed to vote uh, pretty much since the beginning uh, of the enactment of the Constitution of the United States. However, for the black folks to vote, uh, that thing uh, is not allowed until the end of the Civil War. And even after the Civil War, uh, the voting rights of uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, for the black people and the, probably for the Native Americans are not uh, in full force, uh, probably much later until 1960s. And uh, so, so that is, uh, so back to today's uh, special meaning of today is basically the so-called collective bargaining rights for workers does not happen until much later for black workers in America. So now let's go uh, back to today's topic. Today's topic is about the Fifth Amendment rights, the privilege of, accorded to you, uh, regardless the color of your skin, uh, by the Fifth Amendment. Uh, I first is going to talk about uh, uh, this, uh, you know, saying that everybody will use. Uh, I play the fifth. That's just the meaning I'm going to exercise my right to remain silent so that not to self-incriminate. Uh, also, just saying I will take the fifth. In the U.S., that means exercise the right guaranteed by the Fifth Amendment to the, of the Constitution of refusing to answer questions in order to avoid incriminating oneself. We also, you probably also heard this uh, uh, term called the Miranda rights. The Miranda, the Miranda rights, meaning when you were approached by uh, law enforcement, you have the right to remain silent in order to avoid in incriminating yourself. So though these are clearly defined in the Constitution, and using my own example, uh, when the FBI uh, raided my residence uh, on the day before the Thanksgiving in, 1919, uh, in 2019, uh, I was asked at F by the FBI agent to provide a password to my laptop's computers, uh, which I uh, refused, and uh, 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 except the one laptop computer, which is my work laptop computer, which I agreed to use my password to open up the uh, the laptop because uh, I was uh, telling the FBI that uh, uh, they should not take my work laptop uh, because uh, if they do that, I'm, I, you know, I will have to call my employer saying I have to resign because my company laptop has been confiscated by the FBI. So at least the FBI agent knows that uh, I have the rights now to provide the passwords to all my computers because uh, that is pr uh, my privilege protected under the Fifth Amendment. However, when it, uh, as I uh, have said very often, that uh, under this uh, framework of a judicial white privilege, the courts quite often will exercise its discretion to compel criminal defendants where, especially when they are black or racial minorities, to self-incriminate, which this is, sounds odd, but that's actually, this is happening on the daily, you know, it's quite often, I would not say daily basis. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to use uh, 
two examples uh, in the uh, uh, one is Bill Cosby's case. Another one is this uh, Philadelphia black cop by the name of Francis Rouse. And, uh, these two cases to illustrate that your Fifth Amendment privilege is could be in jeopardy uh, in the courts because uh, the courts today is still operated very often by, I call them, judicial white privileges or their pro- uh, proxies. It really does not matter the skin color of a judge. The fact that uh, these judges will exercise their discretion to compel you to abandon your Fifth Amendment rights and privileges. So let's talk. So let's talk about this uh, uh, Bill Cosby first. It's a kind of ironic. Uh, Bill Cosby in in uh, two thousand and four is uh, not a big fan of this uh, social justice movement. Uh, at that time, he pretty much uh, is a very critical of uh, his own community. Uh, 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 and uh, and uh, uh, basically, he is being, uh, being blaming the victims, uh, quote unquote, blaming the victims about uh, the conditions of African-Americans uh, then. Uh, there is a famous uh, speech made by Bill Cosby called the Pound Cake Speech. P-O-N-D, pound cake, C-A-K-E, pound cake speech made by Bill Cosby in 2004, uh, where he criticized the, uh, his own community about uh, uh, a whole slew of uh, societal issues, and uh, which caused quite a, a, a controversy back then. And uh, it is a one year after his pound cake speech in 2005. A white woman by the name of Andrea Constance, I think she's Canadian, uh, uh, made a first allegation against Bill Cosby that uh, he used uh, uh, drugs to, uh, to, 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 uh, uh, to, to incapacitate women uh, uh, to whom uh, Bill Cosby wanted to have sex. The, to illustrate uh, the the whole thing uh, about what happened to Bill Cosby's criminal prosecution, I'm going to use a article uh, by an uh, author named uh, Adam Serwer. His last name spells S-E-R-W-E-R, uh, which he published in the Atlantic a pretty well-known magazine. In year 2018, uh, in this article, uh, he said it best uh, at, at that time in this paragraph. Again, this is in 2018. This is before Bill Cosby is about to be indicted. Uh, oh, before I forget, so Andrew Constance came forward in 2005 making the allegation about Bill Cosby. Uh, back then, the prosecutor decided there's not enough evidence to criminally prosecute Bill Cosby. In order for this poor woman to uh, in a, commence a civil litigation against Bill, uh, Bill Cosby for civil damages, the prosecutor agreed to drop any criminal charges against Bill Cosby in regard to Andrew Constance so that Constance 
may move forward with her civil litigation about uh, against Bill Cosby. So, so this is literally about 13 years later in 2018, uh, where the uh, local prosecutor's office, by this time, with a new prosecutor, is evaluating whether they're going to formally initiate a criminal prosecution of Bill Cosby. So now I'm going to read one paragraph out of this uh, Atlant uh, the, uh, article in the magazine called The Atlantic by this author, uh, by, by this uh, journalist. He said, although a formal indictment of Cosby would not come until December 2018, Cosby had already indicted himself with his own testimony about drugging women. So let me repeat this important word. Cosby had already indicted himself with his own testimony about drugging women. The depositions provided difficult to refute evidence against him in court and in the public consciousness. They amounted to an admission of guilt, whatever verdict a jury in a criminal case might reach. So th this is uh, 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 the writing of a journalist. And he literally said, Bill Cosby had already indicted himself with his own testimony. So you would think, why in Bill Cosby's case, this criminal defendant had been allowed to self-incriminate? Is that clearly against the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution? So, so to Move along fast, uh, fast here. Bill Cosby, I believe, is a trial put into trials twice. The first one was uh, a mistrial, and uh, and the second one he was convicted, and then he was sent to prison, and then he was uh, 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 he appealed his decision to the Pennsylvania U.S. Uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court in 2021. Uh, vacate the conviction for the exact reason, saying that the entire prosecution of Bill Cosby is based on self-incrimination. It's not from any other victims except the same victim, Andrew Constance. And, uh, and the, 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 the incriminating evidence is Bill Cosby's uh, depositions uh, where he was agreed not to be prosecuted, not to be prosecuted by the same prosecutor's office, and uh, of course the the uh, prosecutor's office will not give up. They would appeal to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and oh, by the way, uh, Cosby was released immediately after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court vacated the the conviction, and so the the prosecutor's office appealed to the. U.S. Supreme Court in March of 2022, which is uh, uh, just about a month ago, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear this case, meaning that the, probably the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court's decision is the correct one. And so 
So that's the entire consequences of that. So now, uh, just uh, just to go back to this pound cake speech, where Bill Cosby literally and very courageously asked the uh, African American communities to 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 take up some responsibilities to address the societal issues and conditions they're they're suffering uh, now. But uh, uh, since Bill Cosby's uh, criminal prosecution, Bill Cosby has been more outspoken about uh, racial inequality. So that, you know, comes to a pretty ironic uh, 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 outcome, for a lack of better expression. The, uh, the comment I want to make about the final outcome of Bill Cosby's conviction is this. It is understandable that for a prosecutor uh, to follow the political movement, specifically the Me Too movement, to relitigate a criminal case. So it is uh, very possible that a prosecutor can become super zealous um, pursuing certain individuals, especially like Bill Cosby who is black, who is famous. He, he is like O.J. Simpson, right, in, in that sense. It is not possible. And it is entirely possible for a prosecutor to abuse his discretion or her discretion. By the way, it's, I also call them white privilege in the executive branch of the government. It is entirely possible for the prosecutor to abuse his or her discretion to initiate a criminal indictment of Bill Cosby. However, the indictment has to be brought to a court. The court has to approve an indictment of any individual. It is not possible for a judge in the court not to know this entire prosecution is based on a defendant giving up unwillingly his privilege and rights of not to self-incriminate under the Fifth Amendment. So let me repeat, it is simply not possible for a judge not to know the privilege under the Fifth Amendment, not to self-incriminate. As this journalist in the Atlantic noted, Cosby had already indicted himself with his own testimony about drugging women. So a judge who is legally trained should have already knew before anything happened afterwards that the entire prosecution of Bill Cosby is based on self-incrimination. And why this judge allow this proceeding to move forward? And, and when all is said and done, Bill Cosby uh, still is a free man. It's completely outrageous because uh, this is just a proof that judicial white privilege does exist today in the court. It is actually handed out by the judges. So with that said, so that is pretty much the Bill Cosby situation. 
Now you may say that, well, Bill Cosby is a famous person, a famous entertainer. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the prosecutors and maybe the court is, uh, is trying to kowtow to the public sentiment. Therefore, they go after Bill Cosby. Uh, they probably will be more, uh, what I say, even handed when it comes to ordinary people. But actually, that is not true either. Because, uh, this happened, if this happened to a very famous black person like Bill Cosby, this will happen to much ordinary individuals, uh, especially if you are racial minorities. So with that, I'm going to talk about uh, the case of uh, Francis Rawls. Francis Rawls, uh, I actually posted the, the, uh, the decision by the Third Circuit Court of Appeal in Philadelphia in regard to Francis Rawls. Francis Rawls is a Philadelphia cop. He was caught of possessing child pornography, which is a very, very serious crime. And uh, and uh, the uh, I posted the uh, the decision by the Third Circuit Court. That is the final decision of Francis Rawls' case. The, the same court, the Third Circuit Court, actually already decided uh, earlier about Francis Rawls' uh, case prior. So, so let me start from the beginning. Uh, in the link I posted, uh, the decision by the Third Circuit Court had a quick summary of what happened. So on page, I believe this is page four of this 30 pages decision, the Third Circuit Court said this, forensic examination of the Mac Pro, which is an Apple desktop computer, or it could be a laptop, uh, revealed one, an image of a underage girl in a sexually provocative position. Number two, logs showing that the Mac Pro had been used to visit websites with titles common in child exploitation. And three, that Rawls, the defendant, had downloaded thousands of files known to be child pornography. Those files were, however, not on the Mac Pro, but instead were stored on an encrypted external hard drive. In the course of the investigations, Officers interviewed Rao's sister, who stated that Rao had shown her hundreds of images of child pornography on the encrypted external hard drives, which include videos of children who were nude and engaged in sex act with other children, but without a password to the encrypted hard drive, agents could not access the files themselves. So. In front of the investigators, and they need to have the password to the external hard drive. Despite the fact they already have evidence that Francis Rawls has child pornography on the computer itself. And also, there's eyewitnesses will be willing to testify that the uh, Francis Rawls have shown from that external hard drive 
child pornographies. So these are all very credible, proven evidence. However, the investigator don't feel that's enough. The investigator demand Francis Rouse to provide the password, passwords to the external hard drive. That sounds like a self-incrimination. In other words, the, the, the criminal defendant already has proven by a third party or by his own fruition the, to, uh, to show that the, the, lab, the, the computer called the Mac Pro already has child pornography. And you already have eyewitnesses saying there were child pornography on the external drives. The, uh, the court, this is a magistrate judge, ordered Rao to provide the password to the inter external hard drive. And uh, Francis Rouse refused. So because of that, uh, the, uh, the the magistrate pretty much sent a, a, a order. It's called the All Writs Act order. Uh, I'll talk about All Writs Act later. Uh, All Writs Act basically is like the uh, the, the the British. It's it's a British term. Basically, the government can do whatever to the citizens. So basically, Rouse refused to provide the password. He actually later on says that he does not remember the password to the external hard drive. Of course, the court does not believe in in, in Francis Rouse, and the court send him. Uh, 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 found him to be a criminal contempt of the court and sent him to jail. The uh, the uh, and uh, so the, the funny part is this: Francis Rouse was never prosecuted for child pornography for possession of child pornography. The end result is this: he's been sitting in jail after this uh, legal matter, basically. Uh, the, the the order to provide the password to the external hard drive. He sits in jail for that alone, and I believe he said he was in a solitary confinement for that for a long period of time. Uh, the maximum sentence for a criminal contempt of the court is eighteen months. So while sitting in jail, uh, uh, Francis Rouse filed a. Uh, Another petition appealed to the to the Third Circuit Court, saying that he's been in jail for four years, and the maximum allowable sentence for criminal contempt of the court is eighteen months. So he therefore he believed he should be released. So the link I send out is the decision by the court for the second appeal by Francis Rawls, and. Uh, in this second appeal, the Third Circuit Court agreed with the Francis Rowe, and therefore he was released after this decision was made. The takeaway from Francis Rowe's case is this. When the government already have enough evidence, incriminating evidence, to prosecute a black man, why the government, including the court, must exercise its discretion to compel this black defendant to self-incriminate. I do not see a need to do that. And to me, 
if this criminal defendant is a white person, I don't believe the court would make the same decision. In fact, I don't think the investigators would demand the password to the external hard drive if Francis Ross is a white police officer. And I actually believe this self-incriminating order is going to be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court saying that under no circumstances, virtually no circumstances, that a criminal defendant can be compelled to self-incriminate. But this happened to an African-American criminal defendant. And uh, this is not a surprise. This is, uh, uh, again, this happens in Philadelphia also, where Bill Cosby's case is. And uh, and uh, this is uh, comes to no surprise to me because, uh, as I said, since the very beginning, our justice system is an importation of a, of a legal system from a single-race society to a multiracial society. It has been used by the white majority with a discretionary power to, to, to basically harass and deprive, uh, to harass racial minorities and to deprive very often the constitutional rights and privileges of the racial minority. And, uh, and uh, this is important because uh, had, if we, if, if Bill Cosby's uh, conviction can be upheld, uh, if Francis uh, Rawls' self-incrimination order must be upheld, then we can totally relitigate the O.J. Simpson's double murder uh, prosecution. Because uh, as we know, O.J. Simpson was first criminally prosecuted where he was found not guilty by a jury. And then the wrongful death lawsuit against O.J. Simpson was able to commence. Uh, uh, and uh, in that, a jury found O.J. Simpson responsible for the double, you know, the, 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 the wrongful death of a two person, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Well, you know, you would think if a self-incrimination is allowed under the, you know, the Fifth Amendment, of course, it should not be allowed. If the self-incrimination had been allowed under O.J. Simpson situation, then the victim's family can demand a civil wrongful law, uh, wrongful death case to be uh, prosecuted first where O.J. Simpson can be put on witness stand to testify against himself. And his testimony, O.J.'s testimony against himself, then can be used to commence a criminal prosecution for the double murder committed by O.J. Simpson. The system, you know, the American justice system, again, this is brought in from the from England, does not allow self-incrimination for a good reason. And that should be applicable to, to, uh, to all, any criminal defendant, regardless of their race, skin color, religion, or anything else. So, so with that said, you know, that is uh, what I want to talk about, this uh, 
judicial white privilege, how they can, <clears throat> how these judges can take away your Fifth Amendment rights and privileges, especially if you are racial minority. Uh, having said that, I also posted another uh, Bill Cosby. In this case, a white Bill Cosby. So, in this YouTube uh, clip I, I I posted on, is a victim of this uh, Will uh, White Bill Cosby. His name is William C. Bradley. He is a judge uh, in Delaware, uh, a court of a common plea judge in Delaware. He is, uh, Judge uh, William C. Bradley is, uh, is, uh, uh, he was never married. Uh, he's always friendly with, uh, uh, teenage boys. And, uh, it turns out that uh, he has uh, molested uh, a number of teenage boys. I believe it's, uh, it's, uh, as far as I'm told, uh, uh, it's between 10 to 25 teenage boys. He had a, uh, sexually molested. One of the boys, uh, his name is uh, Greg Kelly. Uh, Greg Kelly reported the Judge William C. Bradley to the authority uh, in 1994, but the authority never prosecuted William C. Bradley. So about, uh, say, 10 years later, more victims came forward. So the video clip on YouTube is pretty much what Greg Kelly talks about his experience with uh, Judge William C. Bradley. And uh, needless to say, just like uh, Andrew Constance, uh, Bill Cosby's accuser, Greg Kelly wanted Judge William C. Bradley be criminally prosecuted because uh, there's no, there was no criminal prosecution. Greg Kelly filed a civil lawsuit against William C. Bradley. The outcome of this uh, lawsuit is also a admission by the perpetrator, in this case, a judge, a serial pedophile. This judge admitted that he has molested, he had molested Greg Kelly when Greg Kelly was about, I think it's about 11 year old. And, uh, and he agreed to pay an, 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 an undisclosed amount to Greg Kelly. So that video, video, YouTube video pretty much, uh, explained it all about between what happened to William C. Bradley and Greg Kelly. Now here comes the story, which is not on the YouTube video. William C. Bradley has other victims. And one of these other victims by the name of Wayne Averill wanted to criminally prosecute William C. Bradley. Wayne Averill, uh, his last name spells A-V-E-R-I-L-L, -L, Wayne Averill. He reported William C. Bradley to the state prosecutor's office and the FBI. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. And he, uh, and, uh, Wayne Averill, as you can imagine, has no other options except filing a civil litigation 
against William C. Bradley. Again, this judge is a white judge. Wayne Averill uh, is also a white person. Wayne Averill's civil case against Judge William C. Bradley was dismissed by a female lesbian white judge by the name of Jen Jordan, J-U-R-D-E-N. Wayne Averill's civil litigation was dismissed twice by this white female lesbian judge. And Wayne Averill has to appeal to the Delaware Supreme Court. And the the decision by this uh, judge, Jan Jordan, was, was reversed twice by the Delaware Supreme Court. And uh, long story short, because I got involved, I personally got involved with uh, Wayne Averill's case against Judge William C. Bradley. So make the long story short. Eventually, Jen Jordan, this judge who dismissed Wayne Averill's case twice, was literally cornered by what I did, that she appointed a lawyer for Wayne Averill and allowed Wayne Averill's case against Judge William C. Bradley to move forward after she dismissed the same case twice. So the entire case eventually was settled out of the court with some damages paid to the victim, the second known victim by the name of Wayne Averill. And as far as I know, there's a third named victim of Judge William C. Bradley because he molested about 10 to 25 teenage boys. And uh, there's a third victim I know, is uh, his name's uh, Chris Paul, uh, and if, I, if I remember correctly. So last to be sure that the key point is this. Under the judicial white privilege, a white judge who molested 10 to 25 teenage boys while he was a judge was never criminally prosecuted. And as a result, he actually retired from the bench and was collect, has been collecting uh, state pension uh, as far as he is alive. I believe he's alive today. So that is a, a, a very, uh, very compelling example of what white, judicial white privilege means. That just means that for the same law, for racial minorities, you will not be accorded the rights and privileges when you are being pursued by the government. However, if you are a white judge, you literally and legally can sexually molest teenage boys and get away from it. So that, with that, uh, that is pretty much what I want to go over today. And uh, as a a forecast for the next episode, uh, I just want to uh, briefly discuss, uh, talk about it uh, real quick. So I have shown today uh, for the 
in the Bill Cosby case, no, no matter how wealthy you are, how famous you are, uh, if you're a black person, uh, you will be subject to the abuse of a judicial white privileges. And uh, Bill Cosby, the person who literally supported, uh, quote, victim blaming, end quote, when it comes to the racial inequality in America, he himself came to the abuse and the harassment of uh, white privileges in the government. So you may ask, what about uh, a white famous pe person? Can a white famous person be subject to judicial white privilege? Uh, the answer is yes. So that's what I'm going to talk about. That famous white person is Donald J. Trump. Can Donald J. Trump be a victim of a judicial white privilege? Yes. So I'm going to talk about that in the next episode. And uh, with that, and uh, that is uh, the end of this episode. Uh, I will th have to thank you for listening in, and, uh, and uh, we will uh, see you next time. Have a good day. Bye now.